Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Everyone's very excited for Dan Campbell. Easy to forget that he is a position coach that no one else even interviewed. No one asked to interview. You know, certainly we didn't uh, play good football in there. Uh, it was not good. It was uh, the worst of the season overall as a team. And, uh, you know, that falls on me. The people, you know, like you and the media, the fans that are advocating for this have no evidence. It's just give it a try. Uh, he's tough. Patricia was awful. Couldn't be any worse. Those are not ringing endorsements. They're just not. And then there again, we're, we're still making errors, which fall, that falls into uh, our boat as coaches. You know, that's on us. Look, I find Dan Campbell amusing. I find him interesting. But I got to tell you, this won't work. And I've said it from the beginning, this won't work. I got to say, that that's the first time I've seen that. And Ben... I mean, this is a compliment, Ben. The way you go over dramatic on all our clips is just awesome. Like, it is a Hollywood trailer. And look, I, I get a lot of stuff wrong. And I think that's when you're in this position and you're doing a lot of talking and your mic's always on and your Twitter account has 37 tweets a day for the last eight years, mostly about sports. You're going to get a lot of stuff wrong. So I do believe in celebrating the very few victories we may have in this life and in this sports talking world. And the Dan Campbell thing. I am ready to declare nearly over, and this is going to put myself at the smallest risk of exposure for a premature celebration that can be used against me in court later on, but I have zero fear of that. I'm sorry for whatever losses I've taken in the sports space. The Dan Campbell thing is a home run, and I had a parade, a conga line of guests sitting across from me. We showed a couple of them, Sam Day, Dave Burkett, Justin Rogers, Kyle Meinke one after another, say that I was being too negative, that my criticism regarding the selection of coordinators in the form of Aaron Glenn and at the time Anthony Lynn was uh, unfounded. It was an illegitimate, unfair criticism. And I just kept shooting these guests down one after another after another. And here we are. The Detroit Lions are one in four. They're at the bottom of a division they haven't won since 1993. And everyone is starting to catch on. But one person who gave him a little bit more of a chance than I did, but was pretty early on with his own questioning, also happens to be a dear friend of mine, and he's here tonight, Adam Baydu in Woodward Sports. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Long time. It's good to have you back. Oh, man. I love being here. I, I mean, seriously, you, you, you must love it because you came in and our, our iPad broke, which I didn't know our entire audio was connected to the iPad somehow. You came in. You fixed our audio for us to get yourself on the air. I just like yeah, nothing. back in the day before I was ever doing a show, I was studio engineer, so it's kind of like my forte. Harkening back to your roots, well, I actually have been having some plumbing issues. If you can help me fix that yeah. toilet after after we're done, probably well, as, not. As long as you're here fixing shit. <laughs> so, hey, look, I've been told probably fairly that I'm a little aggressive in spiking the ball when I get right about stuff, but the lion stuff in particular. You and I were in this boat together on Stafford all last year. The Lions thing, I, I dunk a little harder. I spike a little harder because 
I'm so sick of this fan base trying to gaslight me and gaslight smart people who can see what's going on and constantly tell us that there's this excuse, there's that excuse. Here's all the reasons why it's okay that they have kicked us in the nuts for going on 70 years. Here we are again. I was, I was not on an island, but it was a very, very sparsely populated place wherever I was. You're just, as a fan, you wanted to believe it, right? You, yeah. you wanted it so bad that even a tight ends coach who had zero qualification, getting the head coaching job, you were like, you know what? Patricia's gone. Quinn's gone. We're going into a rebuild. Why not, right? Yeah, the fan, the optimism starts kicking in. And then there's people like you and I where we're like, hey, um, that's not normal. That's, that's not what's happening around the NFL. And, of course, you know, I, I couldn't come here without having something for you. So, you now I put together a list of coaches in their first 22 games in the NFL. Cal Shanahan, Arthur Smith, whoever it may be, Nick Sirianni, Adam Gase. Adam Gase is a bum. We agree? Awful oh, head coach. Yeah, t- twice over. 14-8 and eight through his first 22 games. Pat Schumer, fired by the Giants not too long ago for Joe Judge, actually. 7-15. Cal Shanahan, 7-15, and 15, but he's Cal Shanahan, right? He came with this background. There's only one coach, and I mocked 24 of them, from Andy Reid to Mike Tomlin to Bill Belichick, you name it. 24 coaches that I pulled, one had the same record through 22 games. Take a wild guess. Uh, is it Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell, 4-17-1. Yeah. Four wins through 22 games. The only coach on that list is that I pulled. Rod Marinelli? Marty Morningwig. Don't, oh, so we're in the same we're in the same shitty. It is Rod Morningwig, and you know who's right in front of them with five wins through twenty two games? Who? Rod Marinelli. I, these guys all run together, so that's the group he's in. Yeah. He's in the Rod Marinelli, Marty Morningwig. That's his group, not Kyle Shanahan. Arthur Smith through twenty two games has nine wins. Nick Sirianni sitting there at fourteen and eight. He's he doesn't belong to that group. No, no, no. He belongs to two other Lions head coaches. That's where he is. No other coach has won four games. The only one, but he didn't get a chance to coach 22 games, was David Culley. Last year, 4-13. and 13, He's gone. He didn't get the second season. That's well, the only one proves the point, on though. the list. Yeah. Everybody else? Urban Meyer, that's a whole different conversation. We don't need to go into that conversation. But Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, seven wins. Arthur Smith, nine. Nick Sirianni, 14. Ben, what, what is that buzzing that I'm hearing? Can't hear him. Yeah, now he good. Yeah, he Regardless. Yeah, yeah, I think you were being assassinated in the corner. Uh, I mean, you, you, so you set the table. So you basically have to stay in the Detroit Lions. That's, the, that's what killed me because I wanted to find some successful coaches who were at least ballpark, right? Kyle Shanahan, 7-15 and 15 his first two years. But the dude was coaching Matt Ryan to a Super Bowl as an OC the year prior, right? That's why he got the job. He's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, he that's had our that boy, forte. by the way. Love yeah. him. Yeah, that's, Love like, him. that's our guy for the record. And that is, you want to say, oh, it's only a three-win difference. That is a big difference in the NFL. Oh, it's and massive. And he is, he is borderline. We talk about how hard the upcoming three, four, five games are. He's approaching one individual that I swear to God, if I have to mention his name and Dan Campbell, I might lose my mind. Can you lose your mind so you can mention it? Hugh Jackson. That's oh, where that's that's I, I the territory that. you are approaching with Dan Campbell over the next four games. They fall to one and eight. He's he's Hugh Jackson. 
And you mentioned, you know, the Urban Meyer thing in passing as a disregard. And I know Doug Peterson's not a first-time head coach that matches the criteria. But he is a first-time coach in Jacksonville, right? That's kind of my... My point is he couldn't come into a worse situation. Now, you can talk about Trevor Lawrence, but I'm sorry. In terms of dysfunction... The Jaguars are the epitome of it. Especially last year's version of the Jaguars. The Jets? Everyone was shitting on Salah. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl, but they look better than we do. Brian Dable? The ultimate example. Dable. Okay. Brian Dable, for, again, I hear all this talk about talent. The talent's not good enough, Adam. That's why it's Brad Holmes' fault, Adam. Brian Dable has made Daniel Jones comfortable, confident. You look at all of their sets, they're heavy play action, heavy deception. Early Sean McVay, by the way, reminds me a ton of Sean McVay. A lot of motion, meaningless motion, but you kind of helps you pre-snap, really helps you identify what's happening, and he's keeping it ABC. They're running a play-action rollout. Daniel Jones, you have your underneath, you have your intermediate, you have your long shot. Pick. If you can't, keep it and run. If you can't run it, throw it away. That's how simple Brian Dable is making the Giants offense, which isn't any good. Their defense, they've missed, what's his face? My goodness. They have three of their front seven have been out. Like the Dexter whole Lawrence has been the only one available. I'm forgetting his name. My goodness. How? Oh, Leonard Williams. Yeah. He's played only in two games this year. They are four and one. No, the Giants aren't contenders. They're not NFC contenders. They're not division contenders. Why are they overachieving five games in and have the same amount of wins as your guy has in 22 games? It doesn't make sense to me. I, I hit a red flag button. Hey, hello. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Can, can somebody explain this? Kevin O'Connell, why? Arthur Smith, why is he 9-13? and 13? How? The Falcons suck. They have nothing. There are people that thought they would go winless this year, you know, two and fifteen. I mean, that that Robert was Robert real... Salas playing a bunch of rookies. Yeah, everybody in New York was ready to kill him, and they had two first round picks, multiple seconds. They went all in on their rookies. They're playing well. That's oh, another team with a lot of injuries, by oh. the way. I mean, that's so, that, that's so are the, the Giants. The Giants are decimated, and that's the point. See, I I have long said that the one injury excuse I will buy for a team in most cases is a quarterback because that is the one position where if the guy goes down, the line in Vegas changes that week by seven points if it's a premier guy. You know, you have the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold situations when both are healthy. Like, who gives a fuck? There's no real difference there. But typically, that's the one excuse I'll give you. But look at the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, apparently, even the quarterback thing doesn't matter. They have a Cooper Rush. I mean, I love you, Central Michigan, but I mean, Cooper Rush isn't supposed to be anything or anybody. And they're rolling, too. And even when they lose, they're in the game. Like, and that's the thing. It's like the Jaguars fell back a little bit the last couple of weeks, but they were in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. Allow me to publicly apologize to Mike McCarthy because I've been a huge critic of I don't of like people I, like that. He's good. I rightfully, I, I still believe rightfully so. But... What he's done to start the season is nothing short of impressive. Coach of the year material. Re- reminds if you had to me right now. Yes. Him or Dable. Uh, it's probably him or Dable for yeah. the coin. Yeah. And that's the reality. You know what? As someone that was a very harsh critic of his, that's the Mike McCarthy I remember early on with Aaron Rodgers, Clay Matthews. That, that, that's the guy I remember. A good front seven, get after the quarterback, effective football, don't turn the ball over. And that reminds me of where he used to be. Good for him. Happy for him. But everybody is allowed to figure it out in the NFL except the Lions. And that always kills me because when I pulled that list, Belichick, I mean, he he went to Cleveland. They weren't any good. 
And his first four, what, three years, all losing records. I think the fourth year they made the playoffs nine and seven. He wasn't any good. But you know what he was? Five wins better than Dan Campbell through 22 games. Mike Tomlin, the same, even though he took over a much better team. I, I got to push that away. Matt Patricia had eight wins. Matt Rule. Dude, Campbell has to go 7-10 and 10 over the next 17 games just to match Matt Rule. Yeah, and they, they kicked him out of town. What are we talking about here? How is it? It's too early to talk about Dan. You got to give him till next year. Why? That's how you go 65 years. And with one playoff win. This, this is how, because it's always next year. We gave them last year, okay? Those people, I didn't bitch that much last year. I was critical of decisions in a vacuum, but it was all in the context of like, look, we know this is a joke and I'm not going to worry about it. Like it's this year, you don't get that mulligan again. And you laid, laid out all the reasons why. There's no precedent for this type of runway that just goes on and on in perpetuity. They have demonstrated no reason to have faith in him. Keep in mind, what were his most critical decisions upon being hired like for any other head coach? It's who you choose as coordinators. One guy didn't make it through the first season before he turned his headset off, Anthony Lynn. Yep. The other guy is having the worst first quarter of the season, or his unit is, in the history of the football, the National Football League. So, And those- he was someone we talked about going into the season who could be pried away for a head coaching job. Which I've never understood. Based on what? I mean, it's because the secondary got 10% better last year from 32 to 28. I mean, who gives a fuck? The point is, he failed. He definitely failed with the Anthony Lynn thing. Even he acknowledged that when he took his And Ben Johnson away. wasn't his original hire. Ben Johnson came along with Matt Patricia. Yeah, that's He's a been good there. point. I didn't even think about that. But. No, I, I think it takes a lot of balls to do what they did by promoting Ben. I loved it. I was very vocal of that move. You're a little premature there, though. A we little premature. That, come on. I, we talked about it. Everyone was blowing Jim Bob Jim Cooter. Bob Cooter. I understand, but yeah. look at the talent difference. I, I think if you want break down the film, and look, teams are going to pick up on it. It's going to get more difficult. No, I don't think they're a top three, top five offense. That is way overachieving. But thank you. That That is what I want from my coaches. I want you to get more out of the players than I expect. Yeah. I'm not asking for much. And it's an offensive-driven league. We all know this. Teams are hiring offensive coordinators. Let's look at the past hiring cycle. Who's having success in their first years? Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator. Brian Dable, offensive coordinator. Doug Peterson should be 3-2, and two, but they're 2-3. and three. They still have a chance to win that division. Former head coach, offensive-minded coach, RPO, you know the drill. That's but the I have to wait. But I have to wait. Again, I have to wait till next year before it's fair to evaluate, Dan. Why? Why? I, I don't get this. If this was the NHL, I shut the hell up. Eh, all right. Eh, there's nothing you can do with that talent. Steve Eisenman, uh, uh, Blaschel, it, it's, it's not good. I get it. NBA, yeah, I get it. I got to wait two, three years for my star player to become a perennial superstar. Who knows? In the NFL, I could change a team overnight. The Rams had 10 straight losing seasons prior to Sean McVay. Five yeah. seasons, two Super Bowls. Every other team. Every other team. Oh, well, Adam, he walked into Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley. I, there's always the excuse. Yeah. Instead of, how about Dan Campbell walked into a top five offensive line? How about TJ Hawkinson, who I was told is no better or, or extremely better than Eric Ebron, even though he puts up the same numbers? A little better blocker. but uh, 
<laughs> not even that. That's not why you draft a tight end what, eighth or ninth overall, though. It's like I was told. I was told skills. we were supposed to free Hefe this year. That was a whole thing on Twitter. Free Hefe. Yeah. Where is he? Seventy second on PFF and pass coverage. I-, I was told he was having a great year, and I was an asshole. That well, then DK re- Metcalf kind of exposed everybody and said, "No, if you watch the film, jackasses, yeah, you'll find out he gets safety help, and that's why teams are just like, oh, you're giving him safety help on Devontae Smith. Hey, AJ Brown, go for a buck fifty. Hey, Miles Sanders, run the ball. Jalen Hurts, run the ball. Hey, Adam Thielen, beat him. Hey, KJ Osborne, beat him. He also just fell down in Foxborough, which that was fun. I mean, this this guy falls down at least once every two games. I don't I, get I mean, it. He just like, falls down. Like, just like, clicks his heels and falls down. We can complain about the talent all you want. That's the coach's problem. Bill Belichick lost everything. They had no cap space. Not this past season, the year prior. They won seven games. How? That makes no sense to me. With no quarterback, Cam Newton, who couldn't throw the football, no wide receivers, no tight ends, no offensive line, half their defense sat out due to COVID. Why are they winning seven games? That doesn't make sense to but me. This why are they why... going to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback last year in Mac Jones? Yes. Coaching. Coaching matters more in any other league. It's, it's the most important in the NFL. By far. Here, here's why you and I get as aggressive as we do and we rub some people the wrong way is because we listen to this nonsense and these rationalizations and these defenses. And is there a less deserving of that loyalty type of organization than the Detroit Lions? Like these people that are dying on this hill. And I, I honestly believe that these fans are complicit in our continued torture because all you have to do is look at Phoenix in the NBA with Robert Sarver. They didn't force him out. Why is he selling? Because everybody knows that he's got to go. And now that's league-wide, not necessarily just regional. So it's not apples to apples per se. But if everybody in Detroit hated the Fords, I don't care how insulated they are, and was tearing down Ford Field, I believe they would sell. There's enough, and more than enough, frankly, of this blind buy-in. But I think they've demonstrated their weight, but even they have their limits. They eventually fired every bad guy that came before Dan Campbell. I think that they're at a point where when they've been embarrassed before, William Clay Ford Jr. coming out against Matt Millen way back in the day was sort of the straw that broke that camel's back. Patricia being embarrassed on national TV was the end of him. They reach a point where they get embarrassed, they start getting laughed at, and even they break. I want to play just a little bit of a clip here from the aftermath of that New England game, a little bit of Dan Campbell's presser, and then the response from the New England media to Dan Campbell's shtick. Let's, let's roll that, Ben. To this point in the season, it's as bad as it's gotten. So, um, But I also know, man, as long as you hold on to hope and uh, you believe in things uh, that we're doing, and I'm going to, man, I'm going to change some things up. I mean, I'm going to look at everything. And uh, the way we practice, the way we go about it, you know, do we need to practice longer? Do we need to practice less? Do we put on pads? Do we not put it? You know, I'm and uh, those are all things that I'll be looking at over the next week. I think the first thing they need to address is making sure that the hat is on straight. <laughs> you know, He's just like the man. He's got a headache. That's why you do with the headache. When you have one that's squeezing too hard on your brain, you gotta take the pressure off and turn it up and put it sideways. There is a phrase called polishing turds. That was some (laughs) A plus turd polishing right there, Michael. Even the players are like, I don't know about that. Yeah, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. I mean, they are literally laughing at you. As an organization in the NFL, they're laughing at your coach. They're laughing at the messaging. I've never seen that before, by the way. 
well, this is what you like to bring to light, you know, things that most people wouldn't see. I like to see what the other people are saying. We all see what our people are saying. But they're laughing at our coach, and they should be because if you – I'm not going to break down everything he said in that little clip, but just when they get into – anytime you hear a coach say we're going back to the drawing board, we're going to look at how we're practicing, if we're going too long, if we're going too short. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard They're in my fucking life. dead. That team is dead. And that coach is dead. What is the precedent for a coach? And I, I could name a hundred examples without one valid counter. Whenever a coach goes on record, like he just did, and says, "Oh, we're going to go back to dry mode. Look at everything. How long we practice." That type of comment, they're dead. That's maybe, the maybe beginning of the end. end. Yeah, that's the beginning of the end. We are told this is insanely premature. I'm the wrong person to ask because I would have fired him the day he was hired because I didn't want him here. I was never going to give him a chance because it was wasting my time. I knew where this was going. But for the person that did give him a chance, I think you didn't like it, but you gave him a chance. I have no choice. Well, that that's, it's, yeah, it's like, I'm not giving him a chance. Okay, okay, just kidding. We'll rescind the contract. Right. I mean, yeah. I guess by default you have to. But I mean, the mental headspace of giving him a chance where it's like, okay, I'm going to see how this well, plays me, out. Let me kind of take it. you like to my prep room. It's, yeah. well, you know, I don't want to have to go into a show and talk about a bad football team. So that's like number one. That's my objective. I don't want to have to talk about a bad football team. So we're going back to the summer now. Post-draft, going into camp, hard knocks, yada, yada, yada. You know what? It was an awful first season. I'm not going to come out and say Dan Campbell's on the hot seat. All right, Adam, restrain yourself. Don't do it. Don't say it. Go out and say, you know what? I think they can win seven games. Eight, if they overachieve, nine, if he's a really damn good coach. Because if I told you you had a top 12 coach in here right now, you're probably telling me the Lions are winning nine, 10 games. So by my evaluation, common sense, you win eight games, hey, you, you might have something there. You win seven, I can live with it. You're one and four on pace to win three, four games? Get the fuck out of my face. What are we doing? And yes, you can go back and say, well, from day one, I never liked it. That is so fair. And we had the conversation, too, of it doesn't make sense. It's unprecedented. And who is Dan Campbell, right? Who does he relate to? Where do I look around the league and say there's another Dan Campbell? You don't. And you, the Detroit Lions, think you have the, the pull, the cachet to go fucking try that? While the Vikings go from Zimmer to O'Connell, the Giants go from Judge to Dable, and we're sitting here with a tight ends coach with a very good offense. Uh, offensive line, a very good you know, backfield, win healthy. By the way, that's a whole different problem. An okay quarterback who I think is middle of the pack. There's nothing wrong with that. Do I think he can return to his 2018 form? I, I don't think so. I, I'm not sure what that season was. I don't think he's ever 45 and 30, 4,500 yards, 35 touchdowns. I don't see it. But you know what? He's still good enough. If Ryan Tannehill can win you a division last year. Yep. Jared Goff could. So... Uh, I don't want to do the I told you so, but please, for God's sake, can we just call a spade a spade and say that doesn't make sense? Well, I'm willing to forgive the people that are complicit in this and, and who bought in. And yeah, I mean, the people that were like thrilled with it, they may be beyond forgiveness. But I, I can forgive the people like Chris Castellani, our friend, that wanted to give it a chance and see what happens, whatever. But you got to get off now. And my question for you is point blank. I think. It is more than fair to say he needs to, to, to go right now. Pull the plug, get out, because this is never going to work. Is that insane? We know it's not going to I don't think it's happen. insane. Is I wouldn't insane? do it. I wouldn't do it. You would not. I would, I would cut him at the end of the year. There's no point. Unless it gets to one and eight, then I'm giving Ben Johnson the, the reign for the rest of the season. He can take over. 
give me a seven, eight game sample. Can you coach this football team? If he can, I may consider hiring him. And that is it. I'm not going to Staley. I'm not going to Randall L. I'm not going to Glenn. They can all kiss my ass. Give me an offensive minded coach and please figure it out. Not asking for much. Well, and that that is fine. I mean, the season... I think he's coaching for his job from now on. From now till what? Week 18. So 12 yeah. games. He's coaching for his job. And do I think he's going to go 6-6? Six and six? No, I don't. So where does that put you? Less than seven wins, which was basically the, the benchmark for the year. So you're underachieving. What do you fucking know? Yeah, well, we're used to Come that. Come on. I mean, I'm fine if you want to get into this, you know, in-season versus, you know, oh, end of the year. That To me, it's a wash season anyway, so who gives a shit? But I have heard, I think it is a majority opinion that people don't care what happens going forward. He has he gets year to three. get year three no matter what. And it's not just wins and losses. Chris Castellani, out of spaces with me, asked me, and paraphrasing a little bit, but asked me, like, what, what do you need to see in terms of a record? And I said, of course, wins and losses at the end of the day are most important. They're, they're number one, but it's not just record. I said, if they go, if they start the year three and five, and they have four of those five are close losses, and he's doing shit that makes sense, I'll be like, you know what, three and five, like you one bounce away from four and four, and we had a little ways to go, but you're doing the right thing, and no problem. But if he's three and five, and they should be five and three, and he's fucking up decisions left and right, I'm going to put that in a different context. Well, let me ask you this then. Yeah. Point blank. Are we having this conversation if they're three and two, and he doesn't do the onside kick against Philly, he doesn't blow the game against Minnesota. He doesn't, I don't know, maybe force one punt against Seattle would have been nice. None of that. Basically went two games because the, the bullshit punt with like seven minutes left and a blowout that New England did. They basically went two games without forcing a punt, which is Come just on. hilarious. No, you wouldn't be having that conversation. Although I did say on that aforementioned spaces with Chris that even if they went 10 and 7 against all odds against my prediction, I'm still not going to be convinced that Dan Campbell is the guy that when the chips are down in a playoff game is going to stand across from, well, Andy Reid would be the Super Bowl, but stand across from McVay or somebody like that and not get taken to school. Well, this is where we kind of have to draw the line. And that's where when you tell me, hey, I'm pulling the plug right now, I, I don't mind. I wouldn't do it. I would wait four more games. I would give him up until Thanksgiving. That's fine. But having fine. said that, even if they do win games somehow, this guy is proven for two years now, a little over a year and a half, but whatever. Going into his second season, all he's proven is you know, he knows how to lose and he knows how to fuck it up at the end. You sack Lamar Jackson and call a timeout, you fuckhead. That was so last year was so bad. How many times last year did you have a decision where you're like, hello, my mother could do a better job? And then we go into this season, you're like, you know what? Last year, he had no choice, Adam. Justin, he had no choice. He had to. The team was so bad. Onside kick in the third quarter, only down 10 against Philly. You called a timeout before the half, before even all that happened, and gave them an extra possession. That was the worst decision, So now decision, you were down honestly. two? That was the worst decision, actually. The onside kick at least had some upside. I mean, I wouldn't have done it, but at least had some upside. That timeout was inexplicable. But the fourth and nine against New England. That was the ultimate fuck like, you. What like, are you doing? You're, just, you're trying shit. You're not even a legitimate coach. You're, you're dead to me. That was the you're dead to me That's moment. silliness. I mean, fourth and four, the book would still say, Kick in that spot, I believe it was Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. I don't mind. Minnesota, you line up and miss that attempt to go for it and try to win the game. 
Yes. I can go in on Monday and say, hey, he went out to win the game. I respect the hell out of that. To kick a field goal that does nothing, knowing that your kicker going in was 2 of 5 for his career, 40%, and that you saw Greg Joseph on the other sideline kick in that direction and push right twice? Yeah, way to call it there, bud. Instead of punting and making Kirk Cousins go into clock management mode, hey, we're only going to settle for three here because now we have to go 85, 90 yards. You have one of the best punters in football. No, fuck that. We're going to try to kick a field goal now. And ever since that, they haven't kicked a goddamn field goal last I checked. And this is a guy who has twice now that I'm aware of, maybe I'm forgetting or didn't see one, has gone in front of the media after these games and admitted that he regretted decisions. So if you want to defend Dan Campbell, guess who's not defending Dan Campbell's decisions in these matters that we're discussing? Dan Campbell. He doubled down Monday, though. That's what killed me. On the fourth and nine? He doubled down on everything. Every Uh, fourth down call against New England. Verbatim. Okay. I'm paraphrasing here. We can go to the quote later. It was something along the lines of, I think we had a lot of good looks. I really thought we had a lot of good looks going into the game. I was confident in every decision we made on four down. It just comes down to executing, man. You know, 0 for 6, it just wasn't our day, man. So we went for it six fucking times, didn't get it. And you know what? We lost 29-0. Hey, you know what? We're on the right track. You're going for a fourth and nine on the road against arguably the most brilliant defensive tactician that's ever walked planet Earth in the game of football. Third string rookie quarterback. I... uh, what are you doing? Fourth and nine. You're just, I can't take you seriously. Like that's, you're not a serious, that's, that's Mickey Mouse. That's your child playing Madden for the first time. Fourth and nine. I'm, I'm not going for it even in Madden. I mean, that's yeah. Maybe when I was seven years old, I, I just, that is so irresponsible and it played out predictably. Even if he had gotten it, I'd be like, uh, like golf clap, but Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's not just the wins and losses. So anybody's saying, Oh, uh, this injury, that shit's bullshit anyway. But even if I grant you that, I'm still going to look at what you're doing in game mm-hmm. and what you're doing in game. But he has to do it because the, of the injuries, Justin. Uh, That's the excuse. Fourth and nine. What a Brian, You know show. what Brian Dable did? You know what Brian Dable did to start the season? First job, first game ever as a head coach on the road, Tennessee. You know what he does? Hey, guys, FYI, we score here. I'm going for two. Defense, you played your ass off for me. Do I have your consent? Everybody said, Fuck yeah, coach. We believe in you. They go out. Yeah, it's nice that they converted it. Only helps him more with the locker room. But you know what? Hey, thanks. Thanks for giving us a heads up. Not kicking us in the dick. Going for it on fourth and nine. Giving them seven. And then we got to go out on the field again because you're going to have a three and out. I, <laughs> I don't know, Justin. I really don't. I am, I've reached the point where uh, I don't even try to justify the Dan Campbell conversation anymore. It's in front of you. If you don't want to just objectively look at it, Four wins through 22 games. Marty Morningwig, Rod Marinelli, Pat Shermer. Joe Judge is, not e- is even better than him. That's his conversation. Those are the coaches he is assigned to. Not Kyle Shanahan, not Bill Belichick, not Mike Tomlin, not Pete Carroll, none of them. He belongs to the class of two awful Detroit Lions head coaches. And Pat Schumer, who was kicked out for Joe Judge who wasn't even any better, but at least he won seven games in his yeah. first 22 I mean, let's games. Let's go a little easy on the Michigan State graduate, Pat Shermer, as well. Sorry, Pat. But, yeah, that's, that's like the seventh time you've been mean I to know. poor Pat, and this is a Michigan State-friendly uh, program here. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, yeah, you said the Ron Merritt. That's what's so funny about this is that this Bozo organization has done this twice now because Rod Marinelli, whom you've properly mentioned, was also a position coach defensive line, slash assistant head coach, no coordinator experience, Mm -hmm. 
came in and we did a whole graphic on it, talked about it, how they are the same guy, basically. Position coach, no coordinator experience, no head coach experience other than the interim babysitting for six weeks or seven weeks, whatever it was. It's, it's a joke. And you're coming in here selling this guy based on nothing. Well, you're not taking toughness. into consideration, Justin, that he took over for Matt Patricia. And he had to change the culture because everybody in the building needed to feel good. Right. Like, that that matters. Schematics that, are like, that matters. Right. Yeah. Because at, at Netflix, right, they hire a new CEO. He comes in. He gives a rah-rah speech. Everybody loves this guy. Hey, you know, you can take weekends off now. You can leave work during the week at 3 p.m. They go through all this shit to make everybody happy. And then the Q1 report comes out and they're down 20 percent in revenue. Oh, we love this fucking guy. Really? No, the fuck you don't. Yeah, that's that. Back so I have fast. to let go of all of you now. On top of answering to shareholders, what are we doing? What is it? What is this? I'm done. And it's it's just I'm gonna just sit back and watch it burn. And that's been my experience as a Lions fan. Last thing on the Lions, while we're talking about things that make us happy. <laughs> I think we'll briefly hit this and then we'll move on. The Aiden Hutchinson thing. My position, I've been very consistent. Now, if I say anything. I get called the you know, Sparty Homer. Yeah, that doesn't work in your favor. It, it also doesn't work in my case because I'm the only, I think, prominent member of the Michigan State media, whatever you want to call us, Coterie, Twitter, whatever, that was banging the drum for Aiden Hutchinson, did videos on it, made graphics on it, did a whole solo show on it, did joint shows on it. I was the king of the Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the conductor of that train being Mr. Sparty. So I am not coming in here with a predisposed sort of anti Agenda. agenda. Yep, yep. So I am still saying it's way too early. I think his detractors are overstating it a little bit. But what I want to say is it is frustrating that we are in the same boat on a lesser degree that we were with Akuda, where second overall pick in this case, third overall in Akuda's case. Can we just have a guy come in and everyone agrees he's been pretty good? Akuda was a nightmare. We're already making excuses. Aiden's been so-so. He might end up being a top 10 edge. I think he still has that ceiling. Not top five, but like, you know, somewhere between the ninth and 12th best, which would be great. I just, I'm bummed that we even have to have the conversation. I just want to sit here and be like, wow, that guy's great on day one. Because other guys do it. It's not like that's unheard of. Like, where do you stand on Aiden Hutchinson? Are you worried? Is this like, whatever? Like, what's your take on it? Five games in, I'm not worried. I got a little flash against Washington. Yes, some of those sacks went kind of fell into him. But yeah, I, I agree. I would rather be having a conversation about, man, they nailed that pick. Five games in, I'm feeling good about Big it. Devin Lloyd, uh, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley. I would love to be having that conversation. But you know what? That's not the reality for every player. Akuda was different because he was god-awful. And all we had on him was him getting beat. Aiden Hutchinson is the only viable threat on that defensive line. That's the reality. Am I going to lose hope that he can be a top 10 edge? No, I'm not. Five games in, I'm not too worried. The detractors who want to come out and say, well, he's a bust already, I think it's way way too premature. But it is concerning. You'd want to see more out of the number two overall pick. But at the same time, it is five games into an NFL season. They have gone against... Jalen Hurts, who is a problem. You've gone against Carson Wentz, who he took care of business against. You go to the next game against Kirk Cousins. No defensive pressure made no sense to me how that didn't happen. Same against Geno Smith. At the end of the day, 
It's five games. I'm not ready to lose hope on a kid who I was banging the drums as much as you were. That was the perfect pick at number two. It just was. It fit the identity, the culture, the the feel good, along with insane acrobatics, agility, speed. You name it. He checked it off. Hustle, work hard. I don't have to go to bed at night and worry about my number two overall pick at a club. That's nice. I prefer that. It matters. It does matter. It does matter. So I'm I'm not going to lose hope over it. I think it's too early. I'm not raising any flags. It's nowhere near the Jeff Okuda train where the dude was getting beat week in, week out. It was awful. You could see it. The team was suffering because of it. Aiden doesn't win his one-on-one matchups. It's a low percentage rate right now. Sure, fine. Could he get better? Sure, fine. If I bring in Mike Vrabel, are we having this conversation about Aiden Hutchinson? No, I think he's a very good pass rusher by now. I think coaching matters more than people want to give credit to. And that goes on Glenn, and it goes on the head coach. Because for some reason, Amon Ross St. Brown, love the kid. Why the hell is he as, as good as he is? Makes no sense to me. I would bring that down to coaching and the decision they made to move off Glenn. Or excuse me, Lynn. Yeah. Because that was a disaster seven, eight games into the year. Suddenly they get rid of him. They change the offensive playbook. Ben Johnson gets more involved. What do you know? Amon Ross St. Brown has suddenly become Cooper Cup. Overnight. It was the second they made that coaching. switch. Yeah. Coaching. I'm sure there's something he could improve on. Absolutely. Could he be quicker off the line? Could he not go to the same damn move every time? Sure. Where's the coaching? What are we doing Monday to Saturday? I don't know. Look at Rashawn Gary. Everyone's talking about it. Went to Brandon Jordan up there in East Lansing. Rashawn Gary's numbers. Ridiculous. Been, I mean, he's significantly improved, and everyone's like making fun of, oh, Brandon Jordan's not helping much in East Lansing. Like, if, if you're going to shit on Brandon Jordan, who is considered like the Mozart of pass rushers. Max Crosby goes to him. Everybody, Everybody goes to goes him. Everybody goes to him. The Watts have been there. Like, I just, I, I get it. Like, I get the rivalry stuff. The banter, I get. Credibility for what he does, I'm not having any of it. But, but, but it's just like with Michigan State people, I feel like the most of us do not shit on Charles Woodson. It's like, it's fucking Charles Woodson. Like, everybody knows. It's Char- what can you say bad about Charles Woodson? You can't. He's an A-plus player. He's a great guy, like, great teammate. Like, the this Brandon Jordan thing, I could go for 10 minutes. This will be a, too big of a digression. But if you're out there shitting on the idea of Hutchinson calling him, you're an ass. Brandon Jordan is the best at what he does. And I'm not going to get into the Michigan State thing with him as it relates to him, but there's a reason why a bunch of Hall of Famers are going to this guy for help. So just stop that. But that is – We saw – what was it? Monday Night Football, I think, the Chiefs and the Raiders. Yeah. You saw Max Crosby. They put a side-by-side. His training with Jordan in the offseason, the exact move he was practicing that worked on yep, a sack he I got. That was poetry. Uh, not doing it. No. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. He's beyond Give me a break. So knock that shit off. But that's – I mean, seriously, that is what he should do, though. Like, call Brandon Jordan. Jordan would help him. 100%. Jordan, Jordan doesn't care about the – once you're – I mean, he wouldn't help a current Michigan player, obviously. He doesn't care once you're gone. I mean, not to speak for him, but yeah. I. But that's what he's got to do. But I'm with you. It's way too early. He's not getting embarrassed. He's been pancaked a few times. Whatever. Now, if he gets injured, misses the rest of the season, well, misses all of next season. It could happen to anybody. Oh, now, now we're talking about a bust here. Point in, yeah. Case in point, Jeff Okuda. Yeah. Jeff Okuda is a bust, not because I don't like him. He hasn't played. He's played now, what, five games into the year, 15 games in three seasons. That's not good. He was dead last even when he was healthy. I mean, they said, oh, he had a lingering core muscle issue. It's like it is a typical Lions. There's always something. Everybody you know hurt. who had it nailed down to the T, by the way, to the first three games of the year when everybody was 
Jeff Okuda, Adam, you got to publicly apologize. Jeff Okuda, free Hefe. You know who didn't get it wrong? PFF. Because the yeah. first top 20 corners in terms of pass coverage, man and zone, Okuda wasn't part of that. And I always like scratched my head. Oh, what the hell's going on here? Uh, I don't want to talk about Jeff Okuda today. It's like the last of my concerns. I got a coach fucking up decisions. I'm not going to dive into Jeff Okuda yet. Post DK Metcalf comments. I said, oh, okay, I have to like dive into this. I have no choice. So I go watch, and oh my God, he's right. Oh, PFF nailed this. No wonder J.C. Horn is all the way up there. No wonder Patrick Sertan, Sauce Gardner, all these players that are up there. It makes sense because you essentially, it's not Revis Island with any of these guys, but you essentially leave them and trust them on an island like Sertan against Devontae Adams a few weeks ago. You trust them in man coverage, and it allows you to do more with your defense. That's the, ca- that's the caliber they are as individuals. That's not Jeff Okuda. Well, and keep in mind, again, the first corner drafted that high in 23 years, also from Ohio State, Sean Springs. Like, if Jeff Okuda is pretty good, that's a train wreck draft pick. Yep, unless I mean, he's Champ Bailey. That's, his, yeah, that's yeah. what he has to be. Well, I mean, yeah, Champ Bailey, to justify it, you know, you could mitigate damage if he's like Aqib Tlaib, you know, and his prime was like, the Namdi awesome 11th best corner at his peak. You know, I can live with that. Namdi was great, especially that three or four year stretch. He that was, four, just, that was yeah. insane. He was like, he was the best for three or four years. Then he went to Philly with that, you know, Vince Young thing. That was mm-hmm. a whole mess. But yeah, it just, so this whole like, oh, Akuda's better. Like now what? It's like, I've said from day one, when I ripped the Akuda pick before he even dressed, I said, and I was wrong about this, I said, I think it'll probably be pretty good. Still a horrible pick because you have to be so good. That's everything with Aiden Hutchinson. Like, yeah, but it's normal. Like, it makes sense. Hey, what are the four most important positions in football? Exactly, Quarterback, exactly. offensive lineman, particularly left tackle. Yeah. And then you go to wide receiver and a pass rusher. If you're going to miss, miss, miss on sense. something that's important. Right. Not a, not a goddamn corner, not a safety. The so Kyle stupid. Hamilton people. My God. I that's am, your fan base. My, my listeners were never out. Thank on the God. Guy. God yeah. bless that's, your that's listeners. A, that's They're a, smarter that's a than mine. sports crowd. You guys wanted Malik Willis and and Kyle Hamilton. Those were the two like in, in your poll. Drove me nuts. Yeah, it made no sense. Uh, yeah, he just had a. You you were texting me about that when he had his just flagrant defensive pass interference the other day. Just like tackled the guy in the literally. End zone. Like, nice, nice that defense. was the guy I was told was the next uh, what the Ed Reed. Well, if you redrafted that class, Ed Reed would have gone number one overall. Adam. Yeah, it was what twenty second overall. And he rightfully so was. Yeah. You don't know if they're ever going to be that special. You just well, don't. If you're banking on someone being the best in, of all time at their position, I think that, that is going, bold of you. You're going broke pretty fast. You don't even say yeah. that about Panay And Right now, he's looking like an all-pro tackle. Yeah, he's good. Very good. I Man. Are we talking though, about hindsight, Orlando Pace? Do you take Parsons' hindsight, though? I, I know linebacker versus lineman, but... Jesus, Parsons a game breaker. Hindsight, I, you probably take Parsons. Sewell's not a bad. I'm not saying that. No, I mean, but you I, know I what? Like you could have gone offensive lineman in the second round. There are more than enough in that draft. You can even go back to this yeah. class. But I'm still happy with Sewell. I wouldn't have changed it. No, Hindsight, you're looking point. at one of the premier edge rushers in football. I mean, knowing the lines, they would have lined him up at safety probably. So Yeah. Well, all, we, all I know is your, your boy Joey Namu said Justin Fields was the best player in that draft. It's getting shut out by now, right now <laughs> it's by getting, Washington. You get better by the day. So we'll move off the Lions. That's the meat of our show. I want to get into Michigan State uh, just a little bit. But actually, one more thing. Ben, can you throw up? I want to put the, the Colton Pouncey before people jump on me and say that we're just mean. Throw up the Colton Pouncey uh, graphic if we have it. This is Colton Pouncey who always appeared on this show for the Michigan State context. 
This is just so people don't yell at me. Colin Pouncey, beat writer for The Athletic, quote, Aiden Hutchinson needs to be better. There are certain expectations that come with being the number two pick, and he hasn't met those expectations yet. Hutchinson needs to refine his pass rush package this offseason. He might not have the raw tools that others have, but he can definitely add more to his package. I That sums it up, right? I mean, is that not a fair? It's like, fair. It hasn't been great, but it's fine. Calm I think down. it's fair. Yeah. I, it's, we, I had to get Colton singing there. Just so people don't yell at me, uh, the Sparty stuff. Like, Colton Pouncey's the best journalist in the state, the best sports journalist in the state right now, the best beat writer anyway. And that's his read, too. All right, moving on to, I mean, man, this is tough. Not a happy show, really. But, I mean, that's where we're at. I can't lie. Michigan State football. I, look. My expectations were tempered this year. I said this is a season where if a lot of things go right, you have relative health, the bounces go your way, like nine wins. So, so not great. I mean, if you're saying everything goes great and we're nine and three, that's not like a bullish prediction, I would argue. I thought the basement was seven and five. I thought seven and five was some shit going wrong. You lose a couple of coin flips, whatever. I did not see this coming. I, I, this is two years in a row that I've been way off. I thought they'd be six-ish wins last year. They won 11. I thought they'd be eight-ish wins this year. They might win five. What is going on in your opinion? I have my take on it, but like I'm still trying to make sense of it. Like, Where are you at with this? Talent, for one. For Let's start there. I, I don't think it's a talented football team. The secondary is pathetic. The injuries to start at Western did not help at all. But yeah, we agreed on the expectations. I thought it was seven and five, eight and four. It only made sense. There was no way you were going to repeat last year. You caught lightning in a bottle. You had a guy who deserved to win the Heisman, by the way. You want to talk about giving somebody back their Heisman? You should probably pull it from Bryce Young and give it to Kenneth Walker. At, at least this always point. put him at the ceremony. Come on. Yeah, that was a joke. Having said that, I mean, I, I am concerned in one aspect, and I hope I'm wrong. You know what I don't worry about a Jim Harbaugh football team? I don't worry about how coached up they are for a football game. I don't worry about adjustments in-game, post, pre-post, whatever it may be. Mel Tucker's entering an awkward situation because he's probably going to win five games this year, six if he's lucky. And people are going to be questioning him. All the money involved, the transfer portal, the future recruiting classes, that's all nice. But Lincoln Riley's coming to town. UCLA are looking really good this year. They're coming to town. Michigan will always be Michigan. Ohio State is Ohio State. Michigan State are trying to join the big boys right now. And as much as I love Mel Tucker, the coaching, that's, that's in the back of my head. I think he's a great motivator. I think he's perfect for a college football program. I think you can win 10, 11 games with him easily. He proved it last year. Damn it. It, it ain't getting easier for Michigan State. I love the connections he has down south, but Lincoln Riley, I'm checking that box for Lincoln. Even Harbaugh, I know he's got his number 2-0 against him. I still trust Harbaugh in those situations. Am I being too unfair to Mel? Maybe I am, but coaching, that, that is kind of creeping up in my stomach. I don't want to, I'm trying to suppress it a little bit. Because I don't want to overreact. He won 11 games last year. He did a hell of a job. Called a great game against Michigan. They won out most of their games outside of what? Purdue and Ohio State, which they had no chance against Ohio State. They won against Pitt in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. So he, he's proven it. I just, if the team is bad, 
are you just really bad and you can't kind of compensate for? I think that's kind of where I'm trying to draw the line is, all right, I know it's not the best team this year, but can I see something? You tried your ass off against Ohio State. I could respect that. But Minnesota? What the hell was that? Last year was so jarring in a positive way. So when I've put my own sort of thinking cap on here, I've put myself back to where I was with Brian Masalem the first time he sat there in that chair. I was a year four guy where I was expecting to see some stuff. I, I think I laid it out like a couple wins in the first year. Maybe they may go winless in the COVID year, which they didn't. Yeah, maybe five and seven, six and six, third year, seven to five. Year four, I want to see like 10 wins. So I give I give him a long runway. Way ahead of schedule last year. It was wonderful. It was fun. Way now it feels like behind schedule this year. So to me, it kind of comes down to next year. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't fire him. Do you count the COVID year? Because I don't. Well, I count, I count the two wins. I don't count the five losses. Of course, because yeah, there's yeah. Michigan, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course so you would. But. I'm a hypocrite. But I admit it. It's like. I, I displayed the Paul Bunyan trophy in the studio. How right? many college coaches are there in the country right now off the top of your head? Who, if I told you you were a Power 5 team, you were pretty good, good history, consistent, but never elite, who could walk in and change your, the fortune of your entire program tomorrow? Uh, you're actually being too kind in this hypothetical. They were like under 500 the three years before you got here. I mean, they were, they were not. Well, what, what I mean by that is Lincoln Riley. Essentially, yeah. where I'm getting at. There's like maybe six coaches I could name. I don't know about Kirby Smart. Meh, I'm not sold on him. I mean, Urban Meyer showed up overnight everywhere he went. I mean, going to Georgia is a little different than going to Michigan State. Urban, I think, would do a hell of a job yeah. here. I think there are five, six guys. Yeah. Mel Tucker, I don't think is that. Could he be? Who the hell knows? All I know is right now, last year for me was year two. Oh, or excuse me, year one. Yeah. This to I agree. me, this to me is year two. It is right about where they should be because I was with you last year. We talked before, uh, what was it, August 14th, I think. Hey, look, you know, we're looking at four or five wins. If they're somehow shock us, maybe they're a bowl team. That was the That was the conversation. Was like, Go six and six. And then uh, yeah. undefeated going into Michigan. And look, I don't mean to toot my own horn. I did say they'd be undefeated going into that game. Yeah, you did. You but, did. you know, that was after the fact because I saw Kenneth Walker week one. Something popped off. I'm like, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm taking them against Miami. He was in that chair they, like two yep, days after that right game. After. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They beat Miami, and I'm like, oh, I am loving this team. Love the way they play. They're committed yep. to the run. They're going to run the table up until Michigan. Fortunate that it was right. Cool. That's great and all. But this year, I just I don't see it. Reed is kind of taking a step back. I feel bad for him. Peyton Thorne, I think, is getting way too much criticism. I love the guy. I really do. That, that offensive line is awful. You don't get any push with that offensive line. I just think the reality is the talent caught up with them. They were able to compensate it with arguably one of the greatest running backs in college football history. That's how we need to remember Kenneth Walker in fairness. When we mentioned Barry Herschel, Kenneth Walker's season is up there. Nobody will ever convince for me an, otherwise. For an individual season, yes. For an individual season. Not yes. the team, not the status, the aura, but the five-touchdown game against Michigan, historic, iconic. Should have got him into New York right away for that. But whatever. You, you lose that. The defense is awful. You're your defensive coordinator. I take him out to the shed. I mean, what are we doing? It's that bad. But again, the talent, though, the talent I, is. Just, Justin Tind doesn't think it's Hazleton's fault. I'm just, look, I'm just saying the personnel defensively was. It looks like a year two coach. Fair? 
Yeah. It looks like a guy that's went into a rebuild. Year two of a rebuild, right. Of a rebuild. Right. And this is not the NFL, by the way, for all you fucking idiots at home that <laughs> want to talk to me about, well, why don't you say that about Dan Campbell? I saw you get shit for that today. Dude, <laughs> not even close. In college, it's totally different unless you're Lincoln Riley, you get a private jet, you bring Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams to town. That's a little different. Nobody's going to do that outside of USC, by the way. So Mel Tucker, I brought up the concern with the coaching element. I think I'm being a bit harsh. But it does concern me because of the Minnesota game. That was a tough one for me to swallow. I I didn't expect that. Now, I think they're just that bad. I don't think the roster is any good. But I'm not. I think if you're a Michigan State fan, and look, I know I'm the Michigan State fan for a year. You're you're getting blamed for this, actually. We we pulled some evidence. (laughs) So everyone's trying to figure out what went wrong in East Lansing. It is probably my fault. I will take blame. Show the cursed image. On the screen, please, Ben, if you oh, have God. it. Do you, do you have that image, Ben? He's working on it. There, there it is. Oh, God. So you rocked the glorious quarters that uh, designed and produced by yours truly, of course. Thank you, by the way, for that. Amazing. It My is a favorite. Beautiful garment. Favorite garment in the, in the closet right now. It's number one. I should have wore it, but it was getting washed today. So Yeah. Well, when you wear it every other day, it's, you got to wash is it one, at some I, point. I wear it once a week. I, I can't not go a week without wearing it. It's so comfortable. It's my go-to. I'm but. sold out of them, so I can we can say it with full credibility because I don't have any more to hawk. But those are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working on getting Peter Bonar, which is awesome. They're not a sponsor or whatever, but they, they are really tough. Like, they just won't. Top of the line. But they just won't, like, work with you because I was like, hey, can I order 50 more? They're like, no. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Take my money, please, sir. Like, they're really, like, they limit, like, how much, because they don't want you to basically be them. Like, yeah. they, they'll, for people like us. So, I'm trying to get more of those. But as soon as you adopted this program, things have kind of gone downhill ever since. I take full responsibility. Look, I, I wanted to support Michigan State this year. I've never, we're throwing you out. Yeah, it's okay. You guys <laughs> have every right to. Uh, you know, last year was fun. Um, I didn't go to Michigan or Michigan State. So, that is my dilemma. I, I'm not a college graduate. So, I don't have that affinity to a college program. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it plays well for me. I really do. Because last year, you know, I'm able to sit up there and have an honest conversation. And, hey, Michigan's going to be 5-0 and to start the year. But also Michigan State will be. And people look at me like I'm crazy. And it's like, oh, well, he must be a state fan. It's like, I'm so happy I don't have that connection. Unfortunately, the year I, I'm supporting them, they do suck. Uh, I'll take it on the chin. It's fine. I'm used to supporting the Lions we'll, anyways. We'll give, but, you, we'll give you year two. Like Dan Campbell. We're giving you the Dan yeah. Campbell. You get year two to get it right. But I don't know. I mean, my, my take on this is that things are still fine. And maybe I'm a fawning homer. That's very possible. I, I acknowledge that I have to overcome my own biases here. I, I mean, anyone that says I'm totally objective. I mean, nobody is. Certainly in the case of Michigan State, look look upon you this yeah, is that there's a harsh storm approaching for michigan state and you know what you have to do you have to put on all the layers zip up your jacket put on the scarf and just walk outside and deal with it yeah. you were 11 win team last year phenomenal everybody in michigan state should be happy about it nobody should be coming to me right now or you and saying mel tucker's not the right guy for the job that, really he just won 11 games last year yeah, well that's ridiculous well, that is so premature yeah. now do i am i pointing flaws out that again I, like i'm probably totally reaching here but concerning and i would say it's probably because of the talent I, I think that is a fair counter to what i said about the coaching but damn is it really that bad i think that's my question to you is okay they're two and four but they're like a really bad two and four they yes. lost four straight it ain't getting any easier they finished the season at penn state 
Still got Michigan, and I'm sorry. They're not winning that game this year. Uh, oh, come on now. For some reason, The boys though, will be ready. The boys are always ready for that game, and I hope they do. I really do hope they win because that would be it would be, it'd be funnier, than the, funnier than the COVID year, which I didn't think could possibly happen. A 20-point underdog, but, it, I mean, that team ended up being bad, that Michigan team. Mm-hmm. This Michigan team we know is at least pretty good. Which is funny. Yeah. Mel Tucker has earned the right, in my opinion, to have a bad season, even a bad season next year. I don't need, yeah, I don't even need him to pop next year. It can't look like this. It has but. to be seven, eight wins next year, yeah. minimum, but 11 wins, I, wow. Historic. I mean, yeah. unexpected. Last year was so much fun, man. I had a lot of fun. Are you familiar with Scott Bell, Twitter account? Scott, I've Michigan fan. Probably scrolled pot. Buy it a few times. You definitely have seen him. I mean, if you exist on Twitter as you do, but Scott Bell, I've known as the one Michigan State fan that likes Scott Bell. But I mean, you said something about going, putting your poncho on, or riding out the storm. Mm. I feel the same way. Like, I don't even remember what Scott had said. Uh, he's always picking on Michigan State, and some are clever, some are you know not as much. But you know, Michigan fans love it. But I'm the one Michigan State fan that likes him. But he had a tweet that was kind of nasty about Michigan State, playful but nasty. And I actually liked it, and you know, it, it replied with like a person taking their medicine kind of thing, and it's like. Yeah, you it's just, okay. What the fuck are you gonna say? Like, come on. Like, I, you know, I mean, I am the one guy that likes Scott, but you know, it, on the Michigan State, a lot of Michigan people like him. But I think the healthy way to approach this is like, yeah, fuck it. Like, it's just beat Michigan season, whatever. It sucks. Like, don't don't cower. Like, own that shit. Yeah, yeah. Double down on it. It's fine. Enjoy your season. Don't give up on it. Sucks that they're not at the level you thought they would be going into the year, but. The reality is it is, for me, year two of Mel Tucker. They should be a yeah. six-win team by now. I'm not sure how the hell last season. It, I still look back and say, how? Like, yeah, I watched some of my tape even. I'm like, what the hell am I doing <laughs> sitting up there? The game after Northwestern saying, yeah, they're going to start 5-0. and Oh, you know what? Double down. They're going 7-0 and going into Michigan. Oh, you know what? They're going to beat Michigan. What the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, you were like, I still apparently. haven't justified it in my own head. Yeah. And I'm the one that said it. So last year was incredible. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But if you're a Michigan State person, you just gotta kind of take your medicine, like you said. Half sucks. To. Yeah, but you I gotta mean, enjoy it. Yeah, I, and that's it. Drove me nuts about the Michigan fan base when, especially like during the Rick Trod years, uh, which is the extreme example. But you know, three and nine and five and seven, they went five and seven one year under Hoke, and it's like they're sitting there telling me about 1927. It's like if you suck or your team sucks and the the record is bad, like don't have all these explanations like just take it on the chin i'm old school with trash talk i don't even think they should be trash talking us until they beat us i i mean this is like the high school football mentality which you know take that for what you want but like when we were growing up we had a rival the other prep school that are all stuck up and if we beat the rival we get to talk junk and if we don't beat them we shut our mouths until next year and hope that we beat them like i don't think you should be running your mouth when Paul Bunyan's sitting here, you know, but that's, that's, you know, that's just me. You, you I disagree. think you're too old school. I, I don't disagree. I just think it's too I, easy. I just for, don't trash talk people. That well, I just me. think it's too easy for a Michigan fan to sit there all two and four. Psh, easy as hell. Easy. It's easy for them. Right. Well, I'm not saying stay completely silent. The obsession with this. Is, uh, I see where you're going here. Is, now. Is I agree. Too much. I'm not saying don't acknowledge it. Pretend it didn't happen or isn't happening, but like it, it's a little bit too gleeful considering our trophy case and who's still if i were a michigan fan how i would go about it is hey enjoy paul because he's only going to be there for a few more weeks yeah and then we'll see you next year guys it's along those lines right and if you win the michigan state game this year as a michigan fan 
you're going to have a field 12 day. months of shitty, not, not just the outcome of that game, but our shitty season. I mean, you'll have more fun than we had last year because last year we talked shit, but we still had to watch in the college football playoff. This is like our experience making fun of you last year times a thousand. It's banter. I think it's healthy. I love it. You think it's healthy? I disagree on that. Okay. I do. I, I think so it's healthy. We talked a little bit about the Kenneth Walker thing and the transfer portal thing. A lot of this Mel Tucker blowback has been centered around that, that he is a sort of result function of the Kenneth Walker miracle, whether you give him credit or not, he fell in his lap, whatever. Kenneth Walker is the only reason anyone thought Mel Tucker was ever any good. I think that's an extreme example or an extreme statement. I do understand some of the pushback. Wojo Bobojanowski from the Detroit News went on the radio this week, said something to the effect of uh, the transfer portal thing is biting them in the ass, that they've been too dependent on it. That's been sort of a common line that we're hearing. Justin Tind, I love saying that he's from The Athletic, friend of the show, friend of mine, sort of addressed this in his column yesterday. Ben, can you throw that up? This is his take on the transfer portal function and I guess, criticism. This is Justin. Quote, have we all started to view the transfer portal as too much of a quick fix magic wand? For every impact player landed in the portal, there are an equal number of additions that simply end up underwhelming. MSU still needs to hit the portal as hard as it can this offseason, but only a fraction of those players should be expected to move the needle. So Justin's stance is basically... Yeah, we may have put too much stock into the portal being our savior, but the suggestion that we eschew the portal, like for the most part Jim Harbaugh has and basketball Tom Izzo has, that's too far of an overcorrection in the other direction. Like, do you think that this there's some merit to what Wojo is saying, what critics are saying, where the guys aren't here long enough, they're mercenaries, you don't really know them, you don't know their tendencies? That like Mel Tucker has to basically say f the portal with some exceptions or would you kind of keep rolling as you keep has rolling? Been? Trial and error. I, I disagree completely. You're going to think of it like baseball, right? The good batters bat 300, right? Three, get three players every seven, eight, nine portal transfers. You'll be happy. That's, that's the reality. The rest of it's going to be through your recruiting classes, you developing these players. I, I think that's extreme. I just do it. That's college football now. And wait till they expand the playoffs. I think that is so beneficial for Michigan State, and it's perfect timing for what they're trying to do, which has become one of the upper echelon, you know, go-to programs. Cool, perfect timing, because you can be in the college football playoff now winning 9, 10 games. Yeah. So now you're on national TV in late December, early January. Right. Great. Yep. I, so you're, you're, you're fine with them continuing to aggressively You have to. You have to. That is the state of college football. Harbaugh and you're going to lose players. Harbaugh doesn't. I don't know that you have to. I I, th- I would. I, I, I agree. I'm just saying Harbaugh there is another have, way to skin the cat. Harbaugh doesn't have to because it's Michigan, and okay. they recruit at a different level. That's fair. Alabama recruits at a different level. Georgia. Now, do they get a few transfers here and there? Sure, it's not their pipeline, yeah, but, they don't, right? but they don't have that. Ten, they don't, I don't want to say rel- reliance on it, but when you are a Michigan State, when you are a UCLA, Charbonnet, he's been a godsend yep. for them. You have to, not because... It is your priority, but it is an easy layup to get a player that you believe in that could potentially just walk in and start for you. Why the hell wouldn't you want to do that? Oh, let me look at that 18-year-old I, I recruited a few years ago. Uh, not ready. 
oh, I got a 20-year-old who hasn't played on the bench for Georgia. SEC, four-star recruit a few years ago. Oh, yeah. How about you come here? I had a good conversation about this with uh, Connor Hayward and Kenneth Walker when they were on the show last year, right after that Northwestern game. And I'm pretty sure this was after the cameras were rolling, some of the best stuff normally is. But I was comparing the two of them in that Hayward was this guy who had been with the program like five years, might even come out six years, which he didn't end up doing. But at the time, it was thought that he might. And then you have a guy who's been here for like a couple months. And it's just the contrast of they're both expected to do a lot this year. They're both starters. But one guy's been here half a decade. The other guy's been here, you know, half a year. And just the contrast. And I asked Connor, I said, is there any resentment for a guy? Uh, this, I'm positive this part was off the air. I asked him specifically about Elijah Collins, a guy who I love and is playing well when he gets a chance this year even. But I said, is there any resentment with the team or with players when a guy comes in and has been here a few months and doesn't even know anything about the campus or the teammates or the program or anything and is taking reps? Hayward said flat out that best player should play and nobody cares. Like everyone understands. He said, you may have some guys that are disappointed, but he says in the locker room, this idea of, oh, a transfer kid's coming in that's way better. People are going to have loyalty to the guy who isn't as good. He told me that is a complete myth, if, if that's even out there. But people are saying stuff like that. Wojo's talked about it like, oh, you, know, you have a guy that's put in his time and knows the, the coaching staff and knows the scheme, and it's somehow hurtful to the team to have a superior talent come in. I, I, look, I think that's bunk. Connor Hayward doesn't speak for the entire college football landscape. But I agree with what Connor's saying. It's like the best guy, bring him in. What do you think the Texas locker room right now thinks of Quinn Ewers? I think they probably like him in his crazy hair. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's, I mean, End they, of story. I agree 100% with you and Connor. Either. And that, that is, you can say whatever you want about Michigan State. I'm not, you know, Mel Tucker. I believe fully in their meritocracy. I mean, for whatever else you may say negative, they ain't playing any favorites. I mean, as a high school transfer, my junior year, going into my senior year, I went from Fordson to Crestwood. I was given every opportunity to be the starting quarterback my senior year. And boy, was that nice. And everybody looked at me, and early on, it was, oh, what, A little the, skepticism. Hell is, what the hell is this kid doing here? And then he started playing, and everyone's like, oh, my God. Coach, can he play? Yeah. Please, coach. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We had a kid here for four years. Ah, it's okay, coach. He doesn't need to start. This kid's better. All the players just want to win. High school, middle school, uh, up until collegiate professional. Nobody cares. And I, you know, it was told the to me. The only ones that care are the ones who aren't good enough that are now sitting the bench. A, a member of Michigan State's football program on their, I'll just say staff, I don't want to be too specific, said that Kenneth Walker, he's a guy that was there for D'Antonio and was a carryover. I'll give you that hint. <laughs> that Kenneth Walker is the most beloved teammate that he's ever seen come through at Michigan State. Like that by his teammates, like just his, he was the most beloved guy and he was a mercenary transfer portal guy. But yeah, he, I think we need to stop labeling them as mercenaries. Though, well, right? I'm using that facetiously. That's what people well, are saying. Well, that is the expectation and yeah. the reality for people. It's not reality though. Yeah. They are college students who are the same age as their peers, right. have the same interests. It's not hard to walk into any university and bond, especially when you're a baller like Kenneth Walker. Everybody would love you after the Northwestern game. So he is the nicest guy ever. Have you heard the? I uh, will finish here. The Kenneth Walker story when he was over here. I haven't. No. So you've seen the basement. For those that haven't, it's the Michigan State Museum. But this was right. He's played at this point 
just one game for Michigan State was that the rare Big Ten opener on the road at Northwestern and scores the 75-yard touchdown on the first play. But he, So he's coming over here with Connor Hayward, who had coordinated everything because Connor was here at the Jalen event earlier in the summer. And he walks down. He's got one game on his Michigan State resume, and he's looking at all the stuff on the walls. And he's, uh, he's anyone that's heard him or an interview, he's real, really soft-spoken. He goes, excuse me, sir, Mr. Spiro, uh, hey, do we got to get to it right now? I said, like, oh, no, no. I thought he had to use the bathroom. He wanted to look around. So awesome. I, 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 I was like, no, no, take your time. Like, we're good. Like, you, like the restroom's around here. Like, you drink or whatever. Take your time. Like, we're on your time, man. Let's not. Is it okay if I take a, take a little look around? So he's he's asking about, like, who's this guy? Who's Mandrick? Who's, you know, who's Smith? And Connor, who I mean, has, like, an encyclopedic knowledge. It doesn't hurt that his own dad was in the NFL, maybe, and he's yeah. a junkie. But Connor knew who everyone was. So Connor's, like, taking him through, like, Here's who Tony Mandridge was. He was second overall pick in front of Barry Sanders. Like, didn't work out in the NFL, but was great for us. And, <laughs> and we spent like 25 minutes of Walker going around, looking at stuff, asking about the program, was asking me about what it's like on a big Saturday, like after a win. Like, he was, you know, Wake Forest. Uh, I, I liked it. It's nothing against Wake Forest, but, you know, they, they don't really care that all that much. I was like, yeah, big win. Like, you'll see. If you, I said, if you guys beat Michigan, like, have fun that night. But just my favorite just person. And really, I mean, take your pick, Connor and Kenneth are like one A and one B, like the two nicest guys. But I just I love telling that story just with Kenneth. It's like not only are you the best player or had the best season, offensive season in the history of a program that's been around since before the Titanic was constructed, but like he's the nicest guy. And that just goes to like again, if you're producing and you're a good teammate, like nobody gives a shit about oh, he was a transfer. And if you're a train wreck as a person and you're not producing, you're probably on the bench. Yeah. If you're a train wreck, but you're one of the best players on the team, we'll live with it. Yeah. Yeah. All day. So anyone that says anything bad about Kenneth Walker is like, I'm ready to drop the gloves on that Seattle one. starting running back now, by the way. Yeah. Awesome. And don't so say excited. by default he was going to take Penny's job anyways. My oh, story. Was. Yeah. It was inevitable for him to get hurt anyways. I drafted him in my fantasy league, actually, but I dropped him so I could pick up Alave. So. Oh, oh, you gotta, I feel good about both, but unfortunate. Yeah, we should. We can we get a detailed breakdown on every fantasy team in your league. That'll put people to sleep real quick. Oh, I hate the fan. I, I'm fantasy free for the first year ever. I completely really? for football. Good I, for I, you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm a cool guy. So it's great to have you back. Yeah, anytime. I, I love having you. Hopefully, I haven't alienated you so much. I'm wondering, are you guys doing something in Ann Arbor this year? I know you were in East Lansing for the game last year. We haven't decided where. But yes. But yes, we'll be up there live broadcasting Michigan, Michigan State preview. We are planning on driving out to Columbus for Michigan, Ohio State. Oh. So it's going to be fun. It's wow. Be fun. The game that'll actually have some stakes, probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. Unless Michigan State upsets Michigan and ruins their season potentially. Well, they could upset Michigan and that game could still be for the Big Ten. I mean, you know. Depends. Yeah. Depends on Michigan if they handle business. Some stuff could happen. Year. Some stuff could happen. So you're, you're definitely going to Ann Arbor. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not going to name names. I'm guessing your Michigan broadcast contingent will be present, though. We'll see. Okay. No no commitment. No commitment. I'm trying to get Broom, though. I'm oh, well, I, I don't count Broom. Broom's well, my friend. I'm talking about, I'm th- you're referring to Braylon. I know. I'm yeah. talking about the oh, – and Armani. And, and Armani. I'm talking about the yeah. people that don't like me. I'm not talking about Broom. Oh, Broom, yeah, no. Broom is like my brother, man. I love Anthony Broom. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. No, I'm, not ta- I'm talking about like the sane you know, people uh, versus the insane people. Like the sane people like Anthony Broom. Yeah. I think Anthony's coming to my tailgate already. I, I mean, Chris Castellani claims he is. <laughs> but he also <laughs> claimed he was last year too, and he, he, he ditched me actually. So uh, – 
with about 300 apologies. That, that guy's in high demand now. You can't hang out with Chris. He's he's a big deal. He's too he's he's too big. You can only catch him on Twitter Spaces. I yeah, well, he'll do that. He's I mean, it's not his fault. Like he's in high demand. But when we went to that Michigan Michigan State basketball game at Breslin last year. Like, I, I meet up with David Klein, who's hard to miss. He's like 7'11", walking through the concourse of the Breslin. So I'm talking him for a minute. And then Chris pops up. I, I, I Like, in a 15-minute halftime, I couldn't get three words in. People kept stopping. I mean, we're at Michigan State. We're not, awesome. at, we're not at Michigan, where he's, like, even more popular. It's just I'm yeah, ruining the day that happens. I'm not looking forward to that. To what? To just the attention. Ah. Oh, oh, you're you're shy. Uh, not shy. Just you know, I'm, you weren't shy with me. I'm very cordial. Let's put it that way. I mean, I've it's happened more recently now. Ever since probably July, it's every time I go out, there's Good. someone. But yeah, you know, I'm pretty cool about it. I don't, I don't mind. It's just like, damn. Like, oh, the man. thing that's weird this is a reality now. You know, uh, and the thing that's weird about that, and I see, I, I get it at Michigan State. I don't really get. I got it like twice at a couple different Tiger games combined over the summer. But like if I go out to Michigan State, it gets spotted all the time. And it's like I was just like people might think it's cool. My thing is like, oh shit, like I can't leave my sweatpants on like if I go up there and if I spill something on them. Because I'm gonna be like recognized and mm-hmm. I'm gonna look like the jet. Like it's like the stupid shit I think about. Yeah. And it's like I can't imagine being Chris who's like ten thousand times my profile. 100%. Like you gotta be like, make sure your shirt's tucked in or whatever. It's like Oh me, I'm I'm the I don't care. Uh, I really don't. Well, you know, that is the one blessing I do have. Yeah. I was away from social media all my life. I was away from caring about what people think. I'm way more sensitive and than you are. And then I started Twitter around the same time I started my show. Yeah. And it's like, I have this like auto, like built in. Yeah. I don't give a fuck, you know? Yeah. So it, it serves me well. Well, it's, it's uh, put some steel on the spine, as Jim Harbaugh would say. All right, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Thanks I, for having me. If, if, of course. Anytime. If, if you do end up in Ann Arbor, I'll be there the night before and all day. I, if there's no restraining orders in place from members <laughs> I'll of your be at staff, the tailgate. Just tell me where. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're going to come to me. Like, don't, don't, come to, don't come to our thing. Well, I'll come to you, Justin. Well, I mean, you're more than welcome to show up. I'll be nice. I'm nice to everybody. I invite I invited <laughs> Mr. Edwards on the I show, know, I and know. I did not I'm receive an RSVP, or maybe it was lost. But uh, appreciate you, man. Ben, great job as always. We'll figure out that audio that somebody broke. I don't know. Sabotage from somebody. Maybe Anthony Broom was in your playing around with the wires. Probably. Eric, great job. Him and his awful Wi-Fi. Yeah, he's serious. he said he fixed it. He did fix it. Yeah, he's <laughs> pixel. He it looked like you were playing Tetris with his face the last time he was on your show. But love you guys, audience. We love you so much. Justin Rose making his grand debut on Tuesday of next week. I'm excited to have him. Really opinionated guy. He is just got a ton of opinions, and I gotta say, Channel Seven for a long, long time for that guy. I thought Justin Rose. I was a fan of him, like as a technical broadcaster. I thought there wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bone with that guy because they're kind of vanilla by default. The second that guy walked off that set, he's one of the most opinionated talkers in Detroit sports media. I think he's kind of like unsung, really. I'm thrilled to have him coming in on Tuesday. I know you've met Justin. You know his work. It'll be a good one. Spiro Avenue Show. Justin Spiro. This was Adam Baydoon in the chair. Look forward to more. Michigan State, for the love of God, I'll be up there tomorrow and Saturday. Please win. Please win. Please. I can't take it anymore. Go Green.